the CRO Spotlight Podcast. Powered by the Growth Farm Production. Hi, I'm Warren Zena, founder and CEO of the CRO Collective, and welcome to the CRO Spotlight Podcast. This show is focused exclusively on the success of chief revenue officers. Each week, we have an open, frank, and freeform conversation with top experts in the revenue space about the CRO role and its critical impact on B2B businesses. This podcast is the place to be for CROs, sales and marketing leaders who aspire to become CROs and founders who are looking to appoint a CRO or want to support their CRO to succeed. Thanks for listening. Now let's go mix it up. Hey, welcome to this episode of the CRO Spotlight Podcast. This is Warren Zena. I'm the CEO and founder of the CRO Collective. And I'm really excited today. We have a really great guest, Anastasia Pavlova. So, so Anastasia and I met because we were both invited to the CXO games that's run um, by Julian Nemchinsky and uh, Justin Michael. We had a real good time there. And what's good about that particular platform is, aside from it being really great conversations, is you meet really great people. And so Anastasia and I decided seem to have some like-minded things. We decided we'd do this together. I'm, I'm really glad to have her. So I'll briefly, so um, Anastasia is a, uh, uh, she's a CMO, a, a startup CRO, revenue marketing executive, a go-to-market strategist. Uh, she's a startup advisor, a fractional CMO. She was previously at Marketo. She has experience in the cybersecurity space. She mostly focuses right now on the SaaS uh, space. She's extremely bright and she has some great point of view and I'm really excited to have her. So Anastasia, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Warren. It's uh, it's it's a pleasure. Uh, we definitely had a lot of fun at the CXO Games and um, this podcast, I hope we'll, uh, uh, we have a fun conversation today and, uh, and, and more to come. Yeah, same. Tell me how long you've been doing this, about your journey. I'm curious to know how you found yourself focusing in this particular area. I'm always interested in that. You know, we all find ourselves eventually getting to the point where we pinpoint this thing, you know, how did that happen? And what led you to this, this uh, stage and being a consultant in this particular area? Yeah, I don't know if I want to say I stumbled into this, but, uh, uh, but, but, uh, but definitely my 20 year career certainly led to this uh, point in time. And I guess uh, some of the market realities also contributed to that. But I've been in, in, in technology marketing for uh, 20 years. The, the, mm. the first 10, um, I was in B2C technology, um, selling, you know, box software to consumers through various uh, channels like retail and OEM and, and direct online. And uh, I learned a lot about product marketing and uh, marketing programs and uh, I realized that like it was all about the brand in, in in those days and and when i worked with sales i really um wanted to prove my impact and uh and dive deep into analytics of what was working what wasn't working and i couldn't do that so that kind of led me to um to join marketo which was a mm -hmm. you know career Big time, from yeah. B2C to B2B and, and to revenue marketing and demand generation. And that was, um, and so that's what I've been focusing since then, basically working with global demand teams, working very closely with, with sales teams and customer success teams. So I launched my first uh, ABM campaign, scalable ABM campaign back in 2015. 
2015, um, when uh, there was very little intent-based uh, data and vendors av available. So, so that's what we did at Marketo. And then I, um, in addition to focusing on net new demand generation, so just acquiring new logos, um, I worked very, very closely with customer success teams as well on, on basically um, fixing the churn. Um, but as we know, churn is just a, a symptom of other problems that happen much, uh, uh, much sooner in the in the customer journey. So onboarding, adoption, and and kind of using um, all kind of uh, technologies to to basically programmatically fix fix those problems. Mm -hmm. So, so that was Marketo, and then after Marketo, I had um, you know a couple of uh, startups, a smaller startup in e-commerce space. Then I went to cybersecurity with one login, so that was a very different uh, experience, marketing to CISOs and and heads of IT. Um, and then we we had a really good exit, and um, and I well I wanted to be a CMO. I wanted to check that box. <laughs> Okay. So I went okay. to Superflip um, uh, and um, um, worked with them as a, as a CMO. But uh, short, that was a very short um, three-month uh, uh, experience. Uh, unfortunately, I had a family emergency and, and, and I just couldn't, you know, continue with them and giving full full attention to 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 them and, and to my family. So so I resigned. Um, and when I came back in October of last year, the market you know, as you know, completely changed, particularly in B2, uh, B2B SaaS, uh, it, is, it was just a different, different beast. So I was like, okay, well, what's next? Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. um, and, and I started networking and, and talking to a lot of people and I would tell, they were telling me, it's like, well, you, you, you gotta, you gotta start consulting because that's, uh, you, you do that really well. So well, I'll give it a try. So here okay. I am All right. a year later. Cool. Yeah. That's good. Great. Got it. Okay, it's good. Thank you for that. So I, a lot of questions come up for me with that. So the first one, I, I'm curious your thoughts on this question. Would you say in your definition, when you think about go to market, which is obviously a term that's being bandied about now more than ever in the history of mankind, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. Would you say go to market is a marketing function? Is it a sales function or is it a product function? When you think about go to market? Well, it's all of the above. So which one up. do you think is if if is there a hierarchy preference or priority among those three with a go-to-market strategy no i think uh I, I think go to market strategy i mean it starts with the with the ceo um right and then um the leadership team is is, is very much involved in um executing on that and perfecting it it's very different sure. depending on the company size and, and phase of the um where where they are in the in 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 kind of the maturity journey but every function plays plays a role right so i mean you can think of product marketing sort of uh playing uh, a big role in 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 helping define the ideal customer profile and uh, um the target audience definition and, and positioning of the, of the company it kind of starts there but they don't do it in isolation right they need to look at the data need to look at the external trends what's happening in the market and then you know when they put forward a a, a proposal uh, on what they think that you know company positioning should be the messaging should be everyone needs to buy in right and typically 
when um, a company is in need of refining or uh, changing their positioning, it's which is a big piece of go-to-market strategy. It again involves the um, all go-to-market function to to be aligned and be on the same page. So it's it's marketing, it's sales, it's it, it it's product and. Uh, um led by the um CEO <clears throat> ideally so sales and marketing alignment is is, is key in this sure. right sure yeah there's no doubt of course and you know we're both very much on the same page about the need for alignment that's i think our both of our one of our core kind of uh let's say philosophies to everything but the reason i ask the question is because when i think of go to market it's it's in my opinion it's it's a market definition and communication strategy, right? It's intended, like all the things you just said, positioning, mm -hmm. audience definition, uh, all those things are typically the function of a marketing professional. They're the ones who sort of own that discipline. I know because I, as you know, I told you, I have an agency. We do a lot of this for companies. And we mm -hmm. find that, you know, that the market marketing people, you know, good ones who've done this for a long time, they have just a bitter, different brain when it comes to understanding those things. You know, they they inform product, right? They'll go to product and say, you know, we're hearing more about your audience this way, or we're looking at intent data, and intent data shows that our competitors are actually these people, not the people you think they are, right? Um, and when you go to salespeople, you tell salespeople, I know you're calling these people, but these people are actually more message driven by what we're talking about. So you're correct that those people certainly need to be involved. But again, I'm I'm. I guess I'm sort of in a way saying I have a, a my own point of view. I'd like to know what yours is on it is go to market specifically, which I look at as literally going to market with your product. Marketing, particularly if it's well done, has such a powerful, if not critically important part of that equation that without marketing, I don't know if it would be a successful undertaking. I don't think product and sales alone would even be mildly successful at that part of the business. And I, and I say that because... It's at the beginning of the business, which usually go to markets most critical, where you have to kind of have your right ducks in a row around who you are, what you offer, what you solve for, who you do it for, how to talk about that properly, who you're competing with. And again, I would say, and you know, you you're you're a CMO. You're you're the person that probably most people would go to and say, you know, Anastasia, what what do you think about this? You know. And you'd probably, and I'm not sure if I'm right, but I suspect you'd probably be one whom would likely be looked at upon as being someone who would have some final sense of decision-making around some of those that things because of your functional expertise. As opposed to, I mm -hmm. think, I think what's happening in the marketplace too much is we see product-led growth, you know, and sales-led growth and ABM and all these different ways that we go to market. Uh -huh. But ultimately... If you don't get your story and your positioning and your audience right, none of that stuff matters at all, you know? So I'm just curious, like, what your thoughts are on how I see a lot of people bumping into themselves around these things. And mm -hmm. um, it's confusing. You know, there's just a lot of noise around go-to-market right now. It's incredible how many go-to-market companies are sprouting up. Some of them are brilliant, really brilliant. Yeah. But I just think, like, it's a bit confusing. And I don't know if there's a really strong definition about it out there right now. How would you define it? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I agree with you that that marketing um, certainly needs to own pieces of go-to-market and, and heavily influence other functions. Um, but what I 
um, advocate for is is cross-functional alignment, right? So marketing is typically much better at um, looking at data, understanding technology, I mean, in, internal data, third-party data, just sure. You know, understanding the tools and and what and and coming to the table with data insights, marketing also has a much better, um, I think, understanding of the target audience. Uh, not in all cases, right? If you're marketing to CISOs and and IT, then arguably marketing is just learning about that audience and and technical functions within a company or CISOs and and uh, IT folks um gonna know much more about their um pain points and 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 needs but um sales could argue that they talk to customers all the time and so does customer success um do they then um come to the table with with uh, again insights and conclusions and can they disseminate their their learnings throughout the organization so so marketing is much better at that just kind of synthesizing the data talking to customers and then basically um coming to the table with with insights and driving the alignment across the uh, other functions because if 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 marketing does uh, everything in isolation um you're kind of bound to to run into all kinds of uh, friction and 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 obstacles but particularly between marketing and sales and 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 a product so um it's it's always helpful to 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 have this um conversation and and debate often right, right. Um, about about the audience that you want to go after and sure. and, and and I would also say that uh, it, it go to market um, motion it um, it changes as as a company matures, right? Mm -hmm. As the company grows and grows through the phases, and um, it can be driven by in you know in, internally because the the company is successful and, and is doing really well, and they're ready to. Um, you know, launch new products or go into other geographies or or start selling into other personas. But it could also be, you know, competitors are are um, doing something that you need to react to or the market changes. Like right now, everything is being changed by AI and uh, yeah. uh, it's there's a there's a big shift there. So companies inevitably have to have to um, have to adapt. But um you know, I, I agree with you though. There's so much buzz about go to market and 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 now analysts are coming coming up with all of those um definitions about yes, yeah, sales-led and 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 product-led growth and event-led growth and and, mm -hmm. and and this and that. Uh, I think at at the end of the day, nothing fundamentally changes really. It's it, it's just we depending on on the type of product that you have, um, and that that makes for for your for your for your audience the, the market that you're focused on. Um, you know, company would would apply um, very different or similar techniques. It's just um, just we're we're putting a new shiny label on. <laughs> I think the, so. Uh, the old, I, I, um, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I want to just respond to a couple of points on, on that, that last one, which for sure, I think that some of these new, this new vernacular on product led or sales led, I think the trick, the, maybe the, the trapping that we, we fall into is a company becomes successful at something, let's say a subscription based 
software platform that it's self-serve. Someone can sign up on their own and buy it. It has a network effect associated with it. All of a sudden it blows up, becomes this big unicorn. Uh, what they do is they look backwards in like a case study and say, hmm, let this company reach this valuation. That's really amazing. Seems like it was a very product-driven company. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was a product-led company. And then all of a sudden they create an industry about this. And then that creates new products and new software to lead this thing. And then all this money and effort gets thrown into things that, in my opinion, throws people off of what you said. It's just sticking to the basics, which all these things are really done the same. There's no difference, honestly. It's not. And yeah. I think that it's not. And not at all. Matter of fact, I don't think there's really such thing as product-led growth. No product leads itself. I mean, people have to sell it. The go-to-market stage that you mentioned in your earlier part of your response, which I agree with, the stage is a critical part of this entire conversation. In the earlier stages of a company, it's going to be marketing-driven because you're trying to figure out who your market is. And marketing is doing a really good job of trying to get the message out there and drive you know, just some response from the audiences to see what they think. Later on, it could be more of a sales-led when you have more data and more sales conversations happening. And then, yes, when you have customers, now customer success is going to be a critical thing. But before that, you don't have anything. So you, you sort of have to rely on, on the marketing efforts in the beginning. And I mean, I guess I could throw people on the phone and, and be, they could be salespeople. And I've done that before. But it's really hard nowadays to go into the market and just start selling something when there's not some air cover for you about something about it in the marketplace that people are going to respond to. It's very difficult. So I guess my point is that is because you and I are aligned on this completely. I mean, my entire business is predicated on the idea that everything has to be aligned. All three of the major functions, success, uh, uh, marketing and sales need to be on the same page, which kind of leads me to my, my next point. And we, you and I talked about this a bit. I think we're maybe different opinions about this point. And that is, okay, let's say we both agree on the premise that you need to have alignment across these organizations. And frankly, I don't think there's anyone who has any sense that would disagree with that. I mean, who would say you're wrong? You know, they need to be apart, right? No one to argue with us. So everyone agrees, but yet it's not done, right? So it's one of the things that no one disagrees about, but no one does. That's one of those weird things about it. And and you and I both probably know the reasons why they don't do it, but we'll, we'll put that aside for now. But I would submit, that one of the reasons they don't is because no one's in charge of it. So if I have three functions, each has a leader, one runs their own respective function, and we want them to align, and I've got three people who have the same level of authority, they're both C-level executives, and they all three of them have the same level of um, autonomy or, or uh, let's say, responsibility for their respective co- contributions to the larger picture, how do you create alignment when there isn't someone who's responsible for that alignment? And it's not going to be the CEO. You and I both know that. The CEO should be, but the CEO is thinking about a lot of things, not just running the revenue operation, yeah, right? They shouldn't so, even be uh, I agree. They should stay out of it, right? So my premise, as you know, is the chief revenue officer is the best candidate mm-hmm. for that person whom is hired properly, right? It's it's not the sales leader, which normally CROs are hired to be, but it's someone who is a revenue leader who oversees mm-hmm. the entire revenue function and oversees the motions that go into all the aspects and motions that you and I just discussed and is the sort of arbiter and leader of the alignment effort to make sure that all those things are being coordinated. And that, in my view, is the best system to ensure that alignment takes place so that you don't have the silos that occur with three mm-hmm. executives who, you know, are all fighting for their own 
you know, battle for their own contributions and recognition mm-hmm. and credit yeah. and all the other shit that goes on with these things, right? So I'm just kind of curious to know what your reaction to that is, because it would sort of put to test a bit of the current model, which is that we have these chief X, chief Y, chief Z. Go ahead, guys, get along and align with each other. CXO. Yeah, CXO. Yeah, yeah. Well, I. Um, it's interesting. Um, I. I don't have sales background, although I've been working with sales um, in my entire career while being in marketing. And and in the last year, I've been getting sort of inbound um, interest. I won't say leads. So these are kind of recruiters and and often um, CEOs reaching out to me for the CRO role. Mm-hmm. And uh, in in um, and typically my so my rea- my first reaction was like well i don't really uh, i don't know if i want to be a cro so um and and if i'm asking why why is that your reaction to that well that was my initial reaction so uh, and i i will get to that so okay. so two scenarios so one scenario is when i am um uh, I get an inbound request for, let's say, an opportunity or, or position role that uh, would be a head of marketing role reporting into a CRO. But then, um, most recently, it was actually about me stepping into the CRO role. Um, and so, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my um, um, my thoughts on on the CRO role because I think. Um, it's it's definitely evolving, um, and and I would agree with you that in 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 theory um, the 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 new version of a CRO role where someone has revenue responsibility um, for basically acquiring new customers, um, making sure that we expand our existing customer business or customer success and all of that from onboarding to advocacy and and the marketing theory could be under the CRO. But um, I have, uh, so I I, I see several issues with with the CRO role. Number one is um, typically they don't have um, good understanding of the brand and where to take the brand and how to treat the brand and what to do with the brand, how to evolve the brand. Um, maybe because uh, the majority of the CROs that that I have seen uh, come from, from the sales background. And I think that's where the 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 problem or the 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 I guess the, the gaps are in 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 some of the CROs that I have seen because they typically rise through the ranks of uh, of sales and when they do rise through the ranks of sales if they don't have direct responsibility over over marketing or customer success it's very difficult for them to to really truly understand and um, um, embrace some of those functions particularly softer sides of marketing not the revenue side but but the art of marketing right like like the brand and then another another 
issue is that they are more short-term oriented, right? So because it, it's closing the next quarter, it's it, it's focusing on 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 your current pipeline, and uh, and marketing is is a function um, that takes a much much longer longer view. It needs to be a couple of quarters ahead of of the sales, and and you know how how long it takes to 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 build a brand. Um, so. Um, so there you go. So these yeah, are, yeah, no, you, yeah. you and I are in a complete agreement on this. Complete. And the problem, you're correct, is that CROs are being hired improperly. They're coming from the wrong part of the business. And they have been mm-hmm. for a very long time. And as a result, right, unfortunately, which I think is unfortunate, and maybe you'll, you'll come to change your mind on this, you'd make an excellent CRO because of your background. And you should be one. And I say that because you're correct that you bring the right perspective to the job that's required for that job. Yeah. And I think that what's happened, and I have, you know, I have an entire course I run about this, is, you know, the, the, the CRO sort of a, in a reactionary way, frankly, is mm-hmm. a market driven thing, came from sales because it's not CROs that are short science cited, it's businesses are short sighted, right? All businesses are. I mean, the reason why a CRO is because the CRO is hired by a company that hired him to be short, short minded. I mean, that's the purpose of the job yeah. when you were coming from sales, right? And so what ends up happening is, uh, and you know this, anyone who's run a marketing function knows, because you said it just now, it takes a long time for a brand to build and develop and you know, it can take 20 years sometimes, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and so, and so if a company is thinking about next quarter all the time, they never have an opportunity to d- develop that entrenched, you know, value with their customers. And if they're a sales driven company, which CROs typically are more that way. And again, this is not to knock them. I don't, it's not their fault. It's just the way they're hired and the way they're appointed. Right. So what I'm saying is, is we're looking at, I'm looking at it from a different perspective and you and I are in complete agreement here. Is that if we look at it from the perspective of alignment, what I'm saying is like if a CRO is hired for the purpose of marketing, right? Or mm-hmm. revenue growth or customer retention, not closing next quarter sales, that would be a much different profile of a person. It'd be a much different remit. And it'd be someone who, in my opinion, probably wouldn't come from sales or maybe they did, but they had a much more broader background. I think the CMO, CROs I'm seeing today, and I speak to probably five or six a week that are really successful, come from revenue operations. You know, mm-hmm. they come from a really much more analytical point of view. They they look at the world across all the functions from a data perspective, and they know how it all fits together, mm-hmm. and they have a better understanding of how to look at something. If, if they're not looking at it functionally, they're look, just looking at data. You know, um, and I do think, and I, I've, I've been having a lot of conversations about this recently. I think marketing people have the next opportunity to become great CROs for the reasons that you're speaking about. In fact, I think it's a benefit that you don't have sales experience to a company to be a CRO because you won't fall back on that as a default exercise. Right. I think that the, the, the shift I'm trying to kind of discuss with you here is how companies need to be thinking about differently. And the reason why I'm interested in talking to you in the first place is I think go to market and what's involved and the chief mm-hmm. revenue officer role are so well aligned with each other in terms of what has to happen that, you know, in the way that I talk about this is CROs need to be kind of responsible for go to market for the reasons that I just described. They're the best person to coordinate all those things properly, right? So in the absence of that, we have this sort of siloization that's going on in the businesses today. And, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. if I hire a chief revenue officer, they're either going to be in two situations. One is they're going to run sales, mm-hmm. but they've got a lot of authority, which means they can suck up a lot of energy into sales and create a lot of problems for the other functions, or they can be responsible for revenue, 
and growing all the functions together and coordinating them. And the challenges they have there is that they have to be given enough time to yield the results that that intention is to bring. So I'm just like more just full of, I'm philosophizing here with you because I know we, we went over this together because it would sort of sublimate the role of CMO in this instance. Mm-hmm. Right? So if I had a chief revenue mm-hmm. officer, the way I would, and I do sort of tout it being positioned in the marketplace is you have a CRO and that CRO has a head of sales, a head of marketing, a head of customer success, and a head of revenue operations that all are on equal peers that run those functions. And the CRO coordinates the efforts to make sure that they're done in a way that serves alignment and brand build. So, I mean, what's your thoughts on that model? Yeah, I think I, I think that would work for, again, certain stage of the company. Um, I think the, the key for uh, this model to be successful is that um, the lieutenants under the CRO need to be really yep. strong in their, in their areas, right? Okay, no and, question. And, You're hiring uh, specialists in that case, for sure, yes. Yes, and, and the CRO needs to have really good understanding, if not direct experience in, in probably, a, you know, at least a couple of, of these functions. Yep. Um, so marketing, so so again, marketing, and, and there was so much debate about the evolving role of the CMO um, the last you know, several years now, it's, it feels like the the, the focus has uh, shifted uh, a bit more to the CRO and um, the CCO and uh, um, and on the, on the marketing side or the CMO role, there is also a debate. Is it the chief market, not the chief marketing officer, or is it a chief <laughs> customer officer? So yeah, there's another, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, so because you can think that marketing talks to 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 customers all the time, and they should put the customer at the center of everything the company does, whatever products they develop, whatever. Um, yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, would that model work for a company of you know a I don't know Intel size, Apple? Yeah, size? I agree. No. That's a different so level at that point. Now, right. We're talking about twenty million to two hundred and fifty million. Those are the yeah. companies that we're talking about where this sort of model would make sense. I agree. Well, I've speak to companies at a billion. I I couldn't even help them. They're they're in a different planet. Of yeah. It's a different, yes, completely yeah. different, different, yeah. different beast. And uh, I mean, if the company is growing fast, the 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 the. the you know, at different stages of growth and, and the bigger you are, the more specialization you need. Yes. Right. So, yes. So, so that again is, uh, is an evolution, but I think for whether it's, uh, um, any CXO, whether it's CMO or CRO or CCS, CS, CXO, whatever. Yeah. I think there, there are two sides, right? There is, uh, there is the, the art and the science of, of that role. So, yep. and, and there needs to be the right balance. Um, and, and I think like when I, when I joined Marketo coming from B2C, um, I was shocked initially at, because it felt to me like it was a factory. Like there was so much f- focus on, on production of and passing the baton. So for me, it's like I was missing the the brand and the the, the emotional benefits and and all the you know creativity that you can um, 
put into all the advertising and, yep. and, and marketing campaigns. And no, it was a factory. And uh, um, but even even then, we were talking about the the art and science of, of marketing, right? So the and that the as as the role of the CMO was evolving, has been evolving. The the importance and and the CMOs that that rise to the top need to have both sides. So your your right and the left brain uh, contributing equally, right? So you it it was no it, it's no longer enough to be great at um the art of marketing brand and advertising and positioning and product marketing no you have to really understand the the data you have to be very comfortable with all the the martech tools you you need to understand you know and bring data insights to the table um and um and now it feels like so we're so equipped with all this technology and intent data and, and everything so we kind of pivoted all the way to the other side to the science side and now there's a need for <laughs> to come back to the to the origins of marketing and now everyone needs to invest in brands so it's like a pendulum is swinging um the the other way which is which is which is funny it is crazy um, isn't it and you're 100 right because i did mostly like you and i have a similar trajectory in that i came mostly from originally from consumer branding and consumer marketing mm -hmm. which is a whole different thing you know the ad agencies yeah. and all that crazy yeah. shit. I, I went through that for many many years and then like you i fell into b2b marketing which i actually liked better in b2b selling i really liked mm -hmm. the b2b I, I find it actually much more interesting for many mm -hmm. reasons which i won't get into but I do, but you're correct. Marketing uh, lost its footing in the B2B sector because it became, and you, the word you use is perfect. It is, it's, a, it's a factory. The whole business is a factory. And trying to fit some emotion or some you know, philosophy into that model mm -hmm. is not easy to do. And here's, I think mm -hmm. what's emerging now, and I think it's a good thing for marketers, is you know, the use of, and I wouldn't say, I don't want to say content marketing because it's sort of another one of these buzzwords, but I really look at it more as thought leadership, the way that mm -hmm. brands mm -hmm. and B2B brands do so well and how, how much they can benefit from establishing really strong thought leadership platforms to identify their expertise in the marketplace and their philosophy on the solution that they have and finding ways in which mm -hmm. they can articulate that to such an extent that they become the experts in that particular area. And it's hard to do when you're a commodity. There's a lot of these companies that do the same thing. They just have different titles. You know, yeah. how many CRM companies are there? It's insane. So what I mean is, if you can identify a philosophical point of view, a disruptor point of view about the business sector that you solve, whether it be verticalization or whether it be a feature set, whether it be just a general philosophy about the execution of a product, you could do number world of number uh, of a benefit to yourself. And I think, in fact. CMOs today or marketing people today, the opportunity they have is to help factories turn mm -hmm. into experts, you know? And I think that that's the key thing that a lot of, unfortunately, I don't think CEOs think about as much as they should be. They're mostly understandably thinking a lot more about stakeholders and, you know, getting um, new logos and building. I, I get all that. I understand why. But they miss mm -hmm. the opportunity that comes with thought leadership. And being smarter than everybody about something and i think that's where the next like sort of like a magical part of marketing is going to start to emerge from and i see it happening a lot now i see a lot of really smart companies saying some really provocative things i'm like okay these people understand what they're doing mm -hmm. they, they've put mm -hmm. a stake in the ground on something and they're saying something really interesting and i want to talk to them more about this now you know 
uh, they're not uh, generalizing. They're specializing in such a way mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh, wow, yeah. I didn't think about that. And I think that's the role that marketing can play today that would make a big difference. And I think marketers are in a unique position to make that happen, particularly because marketing is so, you know, it's such a fungible role. You know, if a good marketing person can do that well, it could be a really good way to establish a strong foothold in the organization. But I mean, we don't have much time. So I want to kind of make sure that we get into a couple of things, which is, um, so what are, what are you working on now? Like, what are some of the things that you're seeing and that are you know, right in front of you that you find are unique about where we are today? We have a really weird time in the market, right? Mm-hmm. Fourth quarter of a really weird year. Uh, very unclear what's going to happen next year. Everyone's very skeptical about it. And then with the, all the things that are going on now, particularly last weekend, um, you know, which is really horrible. And the implications of all these things and the uncertainty of all of it. I'm just curious what your thought is on how you're seeing things next year, even beginning of next year, based on the clients you're talking to and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been a crazy year for sure. Um, well, actually, since the pandemic, it's been it's been I agree. Yeah. Insane. It's like every year, um, something you have, else, you know, right? Now. Yeah. Um, two worse ranging. Um, anyway, um, before I get into that, I wanted to comment on the thought leadership. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. Go ahead. I really like that um, that topic, and um, and so few companies do that really well and and authentically, and and I think that could be a really big differentiator um, for for companies who um, who do that at the leadership level. So yeah. I don't. It, I think it, it really depends on who your audience is, right? And, and, and who you're marketing to and who your, you know, your product is, is for. Because, um, I refer again to my one login example in cybersecurity. It was very hard for it, not credible for, for, for me as a, a head of marketing to, to talk to CISO and, and it's just doesn't work. So. Um, if I'm talking to marketers or to to salespeople and 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 CEOs and you know startups, that's where I have credibility and I can add value. But uh, what I would encourage your uh, C level listeners uh, to um, to do is really um, find your voice, find your niche, and get get yourself out there and 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 and. Um, be really vocal and provocative, um, and and um, generate um, really authentic um, thought leadership because that that's gonna set you apart from from all other companies. Um, now, what 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 what's happening in the market right now? Uh, it feels like it's it's just AI, <laughs> AI, AI is everywhere. It's it, it's everywhere. It's uh, uh, there's there's so much buzz that that it's really hard to see through everything that is happening. Um, what is clear is that it's it's gonna change everything, and it already is changing everything. And in, in, in uh, what way? I'm curious. In what way is it changing everything? Because I'm I'm not sure. I, I honestly I I don't. I'm hearing a lot of buzz too. It's white noise at this point. What what do yeah. you think is changing? Well, it's 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 clear that you know all the big companies are investing and they're okay. They're so money's ahead, moving towards ahead, it ahead ahead of our, of of every everyone. So okay. Google and and Meta and and Salesforce and okay. and I get that Amazon mm-hmm. and and Apple and uh, 
there's that. So all your tools are going to be AI enabled, all your Google Docs or Office 365 and everything okay. that, that. So that's going to get even, you know, better. Um, uh, there is a lot of investment in, 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 you know, if I if I look at what companies are getting funded now in in okay. in, in the environment that is yeah. that is um, has been really tight uh, the mm -hmm. last year, and it's uh, cybersecurity is being funded and AI startups are being getting funded, and so there's going to be a lot of uh, consolidation um, happening. Um, there is there's so many ai tools for anything and everything uh so that's kind of one side of things on the other side of the, with the companies and you know startups or or even mid-market companies i see very few companies that actually have systematically implemented ai tools within their workflows and processes with the goal of improving productivity many companies have laid off thousands of employees in, in, in anticipation that they can fill a lot of gaps with AI and with um, just basically re-architecting processes with the help of AI, but, but very few actually have done that. So I, th I think the biggest opportunity is, is, is actually for in the next uh, 24 months is going to be for um, consultants for companies for for developers to to build products and implement products and solutions um ai driven solutions to to up level improve uh existing workflows re-architecture uh workflows in every single function within the company mm. Yes, I mean that that is the real opportunity. I think people get uh, many get hung up on okay, well AI now I can create generate lots of content. And yes, that's true. And then if you look at LinkedIn, it's just like there's so much noise. Yeah, it's 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 very little substance. I agree. I agree. I think maybe you're right. you hit on something there because just you you made some points I agree with you. I mean, I without question money money is moving that direction for sure. Investment money is moving, which it means it's moving away from other things. That certainly has reverberations. Mm -hmm. And I also see too that it's just an attention grabber. I mean, when people are focused on something, they're not focused on something else, right? So I think that's another problem. And I think that 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 might be a ghost, but it's still real. But you're you're correct. I do think automation, right? Some of those things are clearly are going to make sense, you know, to shave off hours or shave off time when they get perfected. I still think they're a little clunky. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. yes, in the areas of content development, which is where most of the noise is, I don't think most of it really works that well. I mean, it's really difficult to use. It's not as easy to use. It's still not like accessible. I think we're probably five years away before anybody being able to bang on this stuff and really get the value out of it. But you're correct. The attention financial, economic, and just brain attention on it is a distraction. And I agree. It seems like the only thing people want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And that, that I see that. Um, do you think uh, we're going to be in a big downturn? How do you think about hiring? I mean, you're now you're kind of looking at you're the companies you work with. What are their kind of anticipation on? Are they closing up doors? Are they being more conservative? Are they being aggressive? You know, what's the general sense you're seeing right now? Well, I think that their com companies are 
stilling of people. It's uh, and it's more it's done more silently, so there's less uh, external buzz around that. Not the same huge uh, volumes that that we saw early in the year, but uh, I think it's uh, it it's probably directly. Uh, well, again, we, we need to look at the different sizes of the companies, because if we're looking at, you know, high enterprise, uh, huge companies, I mean, that's they're ahead They're They're planning the next whatever, 10 years and they sit on so much data and they have they're so much ahead of everyone else in, in terms of this um, AI trends and, and taking advantage of that. So it's just investments in different uh, different products and and solving different problems there for smaller companies i think it's uh it's it's challenging because um well because budgets are really tight so selling now into other tech companies that are not uh, yeah. uh recently funded um has been very very challenging so unless you have a bulletproof products with a um that you can show clear roi on um it's tough because as a as a as a cmo uh when i'm being asked to lay off people or to tighten my budgets to to see what's working what's not working i'm questioning every single line item on that i'm spending money on so if I can't prove ROI on on a, on a certain technology or certain you know programs, it's hard for me to justify it these days, right? Yeah. So so um, and then I think again because of the, the the processes on how you you implement these new technologies and and where do you where do you go? Um, do you bring in internal, uh, external consultants who tell you, you know, how to implement AI? Do you um, do you get internal kind of departments and or you know build some sort of a uh, internal committee who is gonna uh, be responsible for testing various tools and then um, implementing them within their departments? It's like there's no blueprint for success yet so companies have to like figure it out and and, and test um and some are really have really strong um uh, legal and uh, internal compliance uh, voices that that also are very risk averse so so it's hard to um overcome some of those obstacles but um what I advise my clients is to really uh, start experimenting and 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 form form some sort of uh, champions in each department so that they um, start experimenting with, with those tools and and really start rethinking their own their existing processes because that's gonna um, only help them um, as I think the market sort of, goes through the shakeup and consolidation and some uh, there will be winners and losers at least they they know what's what's working and what's not working mm -hmm. but uh, but i'm excited i think that's uh you know we, we haven't talked about all the ethical considerations about ai and and, and you know i mean it there's definitely lots yep. of concerns there lot lots lots of concerns and some of the founders and um of those tools they're just ruthless and, and and don't think longer term 
um, because we've un unleashed a beast and the beast mm -hmm. can uh, swallow us. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's real. That's very I agree. real. I don't see it. I see it only. I mean, I just look at human nature and I don't see it going very well, to be honest with you. So it's unfortunate, but I agree. Something like that. I, 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 to this day, not really even sure how many things I'm looking at or reading that are just purely fake. And it's, it's insane, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, that's a, it's another, another topic for a great podcast. We can talk about the ethics of AI, which is a huge, I, I agree. Yeah. 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 But you mentioned your clients. So I want to just give you an opportunity. So who do you serve? What's your client profile and what type of uh, services do you offer? And, and who is it that you want to talk to? Yeah, thank you for that. So, um, so my clients are uh, B2B SaaS companies, uh, mid-market, um, if we wanted to talk ICP, but I work with uh, smaller, you know, 10 million startups and, and I work with uh, larger, um, you know, post-IPO, 200, 300 million companies as well. It's just my my offering is going to be is going to be different depending on, sure. on on the size of the company and 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 specific needs. So it could for smaller companies it could uh, start with um, you know developing working with the leadership team and 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 developing the um, the new messaging and positioning. Um, it's launching targeted uh, ABM campaign. You know, working with the head of marketing and um, and head of sales, ident identifying the ideal customer profile, selecting the accounts, putting the process together, roles and responsibilities, technology assessment. So, um, and uh, you know, bigger companies uh, bring me in to um, to help with. Um, with with the other side, with the customer um, side of the journey. So typically, when there is churn, and as we we talked earlier in the conversation, churn is is a symptom typically of either you know, poor onboarding processes or uh, lack of adoption, um, and kind of digging into data and, and putting the processes together and kind of. Um, um, figuring out the content strategy, um, figuring out the um, technology-based, you know, tech-touch solutions, a programmatic approach, how to, how to solve that so that uh, the expensive uh, customer success resources are really pointed to to the right accounts and not kind of spread in a peanut butter approach. Got it. So these are some, mm -hmm. some examples. Okay, great. And um, how do they get a hold of you? Best way just to go through LinkedIn, find you there, or what's LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn okay. is uh, is the best place. Um, I'm I don't even have a website yet. I'm working okay. on it, so uh, that, it's always that's always the cobbler's like... shoes, isn't it? Always the case. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I get it. Yeah, I understand. Okay. So uh, thank you. This was fun. It was nice to meet you. Yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs>